are going to get ready for that. And uh, there's a sense where there is already uh, an atmosphere, um, a presence, the sense of God's presence that uh, positions us beautifully to receive the word of God. Worship and the word just dovetail together in a gathered uh, corporate coming together that church is this morning. So um, we've not dismissed the children because they've already gone. Um, it's the first Sunday of the month and so they are downstairs and we thank God for the great work that Arena Kids Church uh, Children's Ministry continues to do. And so we know that they're having a great time this morning. Um, we're going to continue with our uh, early autumn series called On Purpose. And if you've got a Bible this morning, um, I was in a context a couple of weeks ago uh, preaching out great church down in Coventry. Sorry to hear about that accident that took place in their city centre last night. Um, but the pastor was away, and so the elders were teasing me as to whether they, they were saying, well, what are you going to preach on? I said, I'm not telling you, because um, I don't even tell Sharon, you know. Um, it's just been, she said, what are we preaching? I said, you're going to have to wait and see. Um, so I think they were trying to find out whether I was going to speak from the Bible or not. But anyway, um, we did. And just for clarity this morning, we are. And um, so if you've got a Bible um, and you want to access uh, either a written page or uh, electronically, then we're going to the Gospel of Mark, which is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, chapter 10. I'm going to read some verses because I want to just set a context and then uh, just hone down on the subject matter of this morning. Because this morning we're going to speak about on purpose living to serve. It's a message that if you've been a believer or rather a subject, um, the message is fresh, but rather a subject that you would have um, certainly heard about before if not heard something from it and this morning we just want to continually reflect on the back of our worship prayer prophetic words encouragement to realize that this is our destiny to come to a place on purpose in our life to serve the living God you might say well that's pretty obvious but the reality is that it's contested for and the truth is that many believers never get to the bullseye of God's purpose for their life Never mind about 180, we want you to score 50 this morning. Bullseyes, right in the middle of what God has got for you. So here's Jesus uh, and uh, some of the disciples speaking in Mark 10, and we commence at verse 35. Then John and James, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want from me? Uh, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on the right and the other on the left in your glory. You do not know what you're asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the other ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. 
Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me just set a very briefly a little context. And then three or four points from the passage. Here we've got James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Coming to Jesus and said, Jesus, in glory, can one of us be on the right hand and one of them be on the left? It was naked ambition. And in our first message, we talked about the holy ambition of Paul. And the word holy is in there deliberately. I want to know Christ and the power of his suffering, the, uh, the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection, being made conformable unto death. Here was not a holy ambition, there was ambition. Jesus, can you sort it out for us that in glory, James and John are going to be at your right hand and left? <clears throat> I spend quite a lot of time with leaders, friends. It's my privilege, it's my joy. And as John Maxwell said, a great leadership uh, teacher, everything rises and falls on leadership. I can take you to churches today that are not prevailing. They're not making inroads into their community. There's no life, John 10, 10 atmosphere. They're sucking it out of people. I can take you to those churches, you don't have to have a word of knowledge. You don't have to live in Revelation. I'm telling you now, the main reason is a lack of leadership. God has given gifts to the church, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. He's not given them, friends, for any other purpose but to empower the church to get on with the work of the ministry. And churches that don't prevail are churches that are poorly led. But where there's leadership, where there's God-given leadership, then inevitably something begins to take place. I'm going to be quite edgy right now and say, if you're going to church where there's no lead, you need to find a church where there is a lead. For your blessing, for your destiny, for your purpose, for your life. We won't go there, but of course some people go to churches where there's no lead because that's exactly what they want. So they completely, having spent time with the master, remember... If I could say this reverently, the times Jesus must have rolled his eyes with these disciples. <sighs> when are they going to get it? They spent time with Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus, although he thought it not robbery to be equal with God because he was God, he came to this earth and he made himself a servant. And they're talking about position and power. And prestige. They didn't get it. Mixing with the greatest servant that has ever lived in the earth. Don't have time to develop it this morning. He says, guys, you better be careful what you're asking for. You better be careful what you're asking for. The other disciples were indignant. What a great team this was. Squabbling again. And Jesus poured it all back to his example and says... If you want to be great in the kingdom, it's not like those religious people that are exercising authority, which means lording it over people. You see, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you become a servant. And the Son of Man did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom forever. 
Christian living, friends, is never about uh, echelons of status. It's about serving. So here we are, on purpose, living to serve. We define purpose as living with intention, determination, resolution. We believe as Christian believers that we best find our purpose for life when life does not revolve around us, but revolves around God. And we come to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ who gave his life for us. That's when real purpose really kicks in. And we looked at the Apostle Paul and the great turnaround of his life and saw that he found purpose. Christian last week took us to living on purpose by being generous and open that wise, not just about a financial implication, but the generosity of our life that spills out to touch others. And for a few moments this morning, the passion of this morning is that every person that's part of Arena Church, and I use the word every deliberately, would find a place in this next season of their journey where on purpose they are living to serve. Let me just make a few headline statements regarding serving. It was the hallmark of great people and leaders in the Bible. Moses was defined as a servant. Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. David said, I am a servant of the Lord. Paul in Romans 1.1 says, Paul called a servant, called to be an apostle. And we have people nowadays very quickly calling themselves apostles that haven't yet learned to serve. Leadership, friends, is not a right. It's, it's a gift by which we serve. Secondly, the motivating force of Jesus' ministry was servanthood. Three, servanthood always comes from a great heart attitude. Ephesians 6, 7 says that we're to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Out of the heart come the issues of life. Number four, servanthood carries a great focus to God, to each other, and to the world. So here's three things regarding living life on purpose by serving. Number one, the foundation for serving. I want you to listen to this very carefully because it's crucial. We miss the point of serving if the foundation for why we do it is wrong. Serving is not you trying to get to God. Serving is not you trying to prove something to God. Otherwise, we start to preach a gospel of works and a salvation of works. And the Bible says it's by grace that we've been saved. Not of man that we should boast. In Hebrews chapter 6, which gives us six foundational doctrines that we need to take heed of, says that we need to repent of dead works. Dead works are when we're trying to get to God in our own strength. Where we're trying to justify who we are by what we do. We are only justified by what he has done. That's the foundation of serving. That's the good news. He said, Phil, there's things in my life I really wish I hadn't have done. Is there any way for me to get to God? Christian's going to give an invitation this morning 
where you can find God. I don't care. I say deliberately what you've done. It's forgiven in the cross. And the foundation for you beginning to serve is that God washes over you and gives you a brand new start that you can live for him. You see, our acceptance into God's love and blessing is not by serving. It's not by serving. You see, when we come to Jesus, he makes us sons. Forgive the generic term, ladies. I'm using that in the sense of being children of God. The Bible says that when we come to Jesus and give our life to him, he makes us sons of God. Listen to this. Before Jesus did any serving ministry, he had this confession from God the Father spoken over him. It was at his baptism. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. He'd never healed anybody. He'd never set anybody free. He'd never blessed anybody. But he had a relationship with his father. And father says, I love him. And the foundation of your serving is not you scrambling around trying to do something else that thinks that might bring you to a place where God might like you. God loves you. And God has given his life for you that you might be a son and daughter of God. And from that foundation, we begin to serve. I say it respectfully, friends, but I've come across so many people that have gone to church for years trying hard to get to God good people charitable people benevolent people but they've never come to the revelation of this they think it's all about what they're doing for him and it's all about what he's done for us I want to say this morning that Christian will give an invitation at the end of the message for you this morning to begin that journey of following God You'll have your questions. You'll have your, your doubts. You'll bring your skepticism. Bring it to Jesus. Go on a relationship with him. And allow him to bring you to a place of knowing that you are totally accepted in God. That we have been totally dependent upon the grace initiative, loving sacrifice of Jesus through the cross. And we're sons and daughters. And we says... He's well pleased in. Isn't that amazing? The second thing, friends, is the motivation for serving. <clears throat> when we come to Jesus, we are encouraged to build our life on purpose. I said at the beginning of this series two weeks ago that there's been a book that's been very well read, uh, written by a great American church leader and author. He's on the New York bestseller list for many, many months. The purpose-driven life is well worth a read. It's, it's segmented into 40 chapters over 40 days. But Pastor Warren believes the same as his friends, that purpose only really begins when we find a relationship with God in Jesus and begin to build our lives not around us, but around him. And then as we begin to grow in our faith, we realize that the calling over all of us is to serve. It's inevitable that you will be confronted with this challenge when you follow the master. Because he came not to be served, but to serve. And being a Christian is no more complicated than this. 
It's reading how Jesus lived and asking for the help of the Spirit to help us live like Jesus. That's discipleship in its base, friends. It's simply taking Jesus where you are, into your office, into your hospital ward tomorrow, into the works canteen, onto the school run. It's like Jesus was there. You may say, well, that's a heady ideal. I understand it's a journey. But I tell you, when you begin to take Jesus as if he was there into that situation, things begin to change. And it's inevitable that we come to a place of wanting to serve. Now, here's the contradiction. I am a son, totally free, enjoying all the rights and privileges of being a Christian. But I want to be a servant. I'm totally free, and I'm totally bound at the same time. And the more I get totally bound to Jesus, guess what? The more I live totally free. So, well, how does that work? Well, try it. It works. The more we give ourselves wholly to Jesus and commit to being his servant, the more he liberates us into the life of God. In the New Testament, there are numbers of words, probably nine in all, that speak of the word servant. Let me just give two to you. The first one is doulos, which tells us what we are. We're not only a son, but we're a servant. We are not in bondage to sin, the past, guilt, or failure, but we bound to Jesus voluntarily. We give our lives wholly to him. I am a servant of the Lord. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Really, driving that word down, it reads like this. Paul, a slave to Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. The more that you trust Jesus, the more that you give your life over to him, the more freedom just flows. There's a beautiful little story in the Old Testament that gives us a little insight into how this works. Exodus 21. We're in the seventh year of Jubilee. If there'd been a servant, a slave, serving the master, in terms of the community laws, the master had to let the servant go free. But if a relationship had built where the slave says to the master, you know what, I'm a slave, I'm bound, but I'm loving it. I don't want to go free. They would walk him to the center of the town, pierce his ear with an awl. So those of you who got earrings in, it's no, nothing's new, okay? Nothing. I'm talking to the blokes, not the ladies. So I, nothing new. Pierced his ear. And it was a sign that he wouldn't serve his master just for a few years, but he'd serve his master forever. It used to be an old hymn. I love, I love my master. I will not go out free. And if you're as old as me, you can remember that song. Pierce my ear, oh Lord. Can anybody remember it? Yeah, you're getting old like me, you see. That's where it came from. And I want to say this morning, have you had your ears pierced? No, I haven't. Literally. I had two daughters. So that was one of the big debates. When can I have my ears pierced? When can I have my ears pierced? It's just an encouragement to all those parents with adolescent kids. Woo! It's okay. When they get to the 20s, they realize you were right all the way along. <laughs> But it takes time. (laughs) 
Lord, I'm your slave this morning. I so love you. I don't want to go free. I don't want to do my thing. I want to live on purpose. And that means being given over to you. So doulos, I, I, we are. Diakonos, we do. It's where the word deacon comes from. It means to help, to pursue, to assist. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's um, workmanship created in Christ Jesus to good works. The word in the English really doesn't do it justice. It literally means that we're God's masterpiece. Wow. I told you we were loved. A masterpiece. You say, me? Yeah, you. And God's crafting and shaping and molding and touching up the colors of your life to make you the masterpiece that in the eternity of time he destined you to be. That's being a Christian. It's not about a platform, friends. As I said at the beginning, it's not about profile or prestige or power. It's you knowing that you're living in the bullseye of what God intended you to be. And here's where, as a leadership of Arena Church, we really want to capture the heart of this message in this season. Because you were saved for a special purpose. And we want people to be serving with passion and gift. You see, forgive us and forgive me as a Christian leader and communicator if on occasions I've portrayed servanthood in a negative way. So that people serve begrudgingly, reluctantly, temporarily. Oh, Phil's going on about serving again. I suppose I better sign up. That's not going to last, friends. That is not going to last. You're going to be going to Christine in three months' time, saying, I want to come off that team. It's not really worked. There's nobody that talks like that in arena, but... but you... <laughs> it's the license of the pulpit, forgive me. But maybe we have bad people at times serve resentfully, begrudgingly, and with no passion. They wanted to do their best, but they've not found the bullseye. And the passion of Arena Church in this season is that every person in the church would live in their special purpose and call. In other words, friends, we're on team because this is what I was made for. To use a heady phrase, it's your redemptive call. When God plucked you out of the miry clay and set you on the rock Christ Jesus, you can say, this is what I was made for. Now, at the end of the meeting, Christian's going to give some practical direction to that. And I'll leave that to him because he'll communicate it well. You may say, well, I've struggled a bit like that. Well, let's go to the dartboard. Fill the power. not as quite as uh, weighty as <sighs> it may be that you've hit a seven or a nine or it may be like, like me sometimes you've hit the board I used to play darts you know little memories you have with your dad we used to have a board on our back kitchen wall with a bit of hardboard around it there were more dots in the hardboard than in the you know and we used to listen to the radio you know when he, when he passed away a couple of years ago, all them things came flooding back, playing darts with my dad late at night, you know. 
And uh, we were both useless, but, you know, anyway, we, we enjoyed it. And it may be that you've hit a nine or a, a seven or a, a three, but God wants you to find the bullseye. Please don't live with guilt. It may be that the team that you gave yourself to didn't work out. Don't pull back on serving. Don't say, well, I'm never going to serve again. This morning and in the weeks that we go forward, in this season of favor, we are believing that as we are in favor, every person will begin to find that little red dot of their life and say, this is what I'm doing. Now, the reason we need that is because sometimes serving brings challenges. It does to the leaders of the church. I've got a little crafted phrase here that I'm going to read deliberately. The seven words that begin with um. So serving can often seem unseen. It can be unobtrusive. In other words, modest and without show. It can at times be unappreciated. And sometimes even unknown. And seemingly unrewarded. And people can be unresponsive. And even on occasions, believe it or not, they can even be unkind. Because you, as you metaphorically carry the towel and the bowl to serve people, occasionally get the water kicked back in your face. Isn't that incredible? But if you say, this is what I was born for, nothing's going to shake you. You're just going to get up and go again. And then what happens is that we serve over the long term. And we get fantastic teams coming together that empower others. And the whole culture of the church takes a step forward. And friends, we become an unstoppable force in the hands of God. And as you'll read from the brochure this morning, we really do become, without being cliches, a dream team. So the foundation for serving, the motivation for serving Briefly to close, the contribution of serving. Every contribution is important. Listen, Jesus said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you'll have its reward. The Bible says in Corinthians 12 that the weakest member of the body is essential. The Bible says that that which is done in secret will be rewarded openly. Every contribution is important. And then it becomes essential for the greater good. Let me just take you back to early summer. I had the joy of representing Assemblies of God at the Cinnamon Network Faith Audit Report Conference in a beautiful church just around the corner from Westminster Abbey. Matt Bird's become a good friend of ours. And he's an incredible leader. He's a bit left field, but I, used to, I just love him. You know, he rings me up at inappropriate times. You know, he pushes for sort of stuff. He's just brilliant. And the reason it's called the Cinnamon Network is because like all great visions, it all started in a curry house called Cinnamon. There, just in the centre of London. And their faith audit report showed that the serving body of Christ last year contributed over three billion pounds of support back into communities. All done with forensic approach to figures and 
pie charts and graphs. Incredible. That's the body of Christ, friends. I know we get a bad press at times. I know somebody sometimes will take it back years by an inappropriate comment in the press. But I want to tell you that all over this nation this week, the serving body of Christ, living in the bullseye of its purpose, has impacted, I say it without exaggeration, hundreds of thousands of people for the kingdom of God. But you know, the passion of this church is to be multi-generational. We've said many times that we understand that in society sometimes our older people can feel a little bit marginalized. have comments on them that they've passed it, but we've got a great older community in Arena, which we love. And isn't it wonderful to see them still wanting to live in the bullseye of God's purpose for their life to serve? I speak to our younger people today, teenagers and 20s. I understand there's all sorts of things thrown at you, all sorts of demands, etc., etc. But I want to tell you, if you'll set your life up, To live on purpose with a serving heart, you are setting yourself up for an amazing ride and the blessing of God. So as I close, a few questions. Are you this morning being a servant out of the security of knowing that you're a son who God says I'm well pleased with? Am I independent of spirit or passionate about being part of the dream team? Have I discovered my fit and shape for serving productively in the local body of Christ? Have I reached the fullness of my potential and destiny in the serving journey? And so I'm giving my best. Are there creative ways to explore in serving the lost that have not yet been implemented? God is going to give creative ways to people in this church of things that we've not already done. And you're going to lead it with a passion. Have I determined to be an encourager of others in their serving life? And will I stay the course of serving, even if there is no apparent return, payback, or reward in this life? You will, if you found the bullseye. And then one day you'll stand before Jesus. He's not going to know how many pulpits you preached from, where you traveled. He's not going to know whether you got power or prestige or had a name on the church bulletin. He's going to know and want to know whether you serve with the things that he gives you. And when you've done that, he'll simply say, and this is what makes it all worthwhile, friends, as we find on purpose our reason for serving the body of Christ in these days, he will simply say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you.